So we continue with our, our guide, Patanjali, who's leading us through the, the woods here and showing us the path and the direction that we can take in order to be fully awake, to be to live freely, to be liberated, to come into the full awareness of what we are, what is our nature, and how we're interacting with the, um, the relative world and what our relationship is with this higher reality, with ultimate reality, with God. So we are, we are on the path and we're winding our way along and, and being guided. And, and uh, the, next, the next piece that uh, Patanjali gives to us, he says, when impurity is destroyed by yoga, the light of knowledge shines in focused discrimination between Purusha and Buddhi, and then we experience liberation. So when the impurity is destroyed by yoga, the light of knowledge shines in our focused discrimination. And we've talked about, you know, these impurities, we've talked about the the obstructions, the kleshas, the addictions, attachments, and all these things uh, are uh, aspects, are, are parts of our consciousness and need to be removed. They're, they're like toxins. You know, if we take, if we eat some food that's bad food, if it's a little bit bad, then we have an upset tummy. And if it's kind of pathogenic, if it's much worse, then we may have diarrhea for a couple of days. And if it's really, really bad and has some parasites and, you know, other things, we may end up in the hospital with diverticulitis or some really chronic long-term thing. So, so these uh, toxins, these afflictions, these impurities can affect us a little bit, a little bit more or a lot. And, and of course, we want to remove all the toxins. We don't even want the upset tummy. We only want the little suffering, a little upset. So uh, what happens is we've, we've all come to the awareness that there may be things that we can do to improve our, our state of mind, our state of consciousness, and the way we're living. Um, so we've all kind of checked ourselves into rehab, and we're into recovery here. So we're going through the, the process of what does it take to restore our consciousness and our awareness to its original whole condition. What is it that it takes? And, uh, and what it takes is um, applying these principles, these things that we've been looking at, talking about, and practice. And it's practice, practice, practice. There's not a, uh, there's not a simple button we can push or a pill we can take or uh, that special course or the book or, you know, there isn't one thing that we can do that is going to turn the whole thing around. It takes practice. We have to, um, we, we've taken a lifetime to accumulate and to reinforce and, you know, make stronger these impressions. And so it takes some time to neutralize them and to allow them to, to subside. And so we just have to keep showing up for our practice. So being committed to the long-term program is absolutely important, absolutely critical. And if we have that commitment, then that will help see us through the times when we feel like maybe nothing's happening, we're not making any progress, uh, or we're, we've backslid, you know, we're finding that we're, we're back into some things that we thought we had gotten rid of. And so we have to just be persistent, persistent, persistent. And uh, 
I remember uh, Roy telling us many times that in his last conversation with Paramahansa Yogananda, um, the last thing Yogananda told him was, pay no attention to what other people are doing or not doing, and don't look to the left and don't look to the right, look straight ahead to the goal and go all the way. And so we have to have that kind of commitment to ourself um, that no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances and events, and no matter uh, whether we're feeling good or not so good, or whether we feel like we've, you know, we've really backslid or whatever the situation is, we're committed to keep showing up and keep practicing and stay in it for the long haul. And that commitment will really make a big difference. It will really change things and it will really speed up our practice. So, so this is important. This is useful. And this practice, it destroys these impurities. It removes these toxins. It, first, it weakens them. So we, we notice what's going on. We notice the things that we need to deal with. And, and we begin to address them and they become weaker. They don't have quite as much strong strength, not quite as much juice. Every time we resist uh, becoming angry or every time we resist uh, the anxiety and the fear and kind of move past that, every time we take some power away from it and we become more powerful, we get the power back. These, uh, these attitudes and conditions and feelings, they, they, they kind of have a life of their own as long as we allow them to. They've taken up residence in our mind and consciousness. We're possessed by them. And so as we, as we stop paying attention, as we stop giving them energy, they lose their juice and eventually they become weak enough and uh, eventually are, are completely neutralized and we can just let them go, you know. So, and one of the things that Roy would tell us was that we, we can... Uh, deal with these things by taking the opposite action. So if we're feeling fearful, then we can just stop being fearful for a moment and find a place within us where we can feel confident. If we're feeling angry and upset about something, we can find a place in ourselves where we can be loving and compassionate, where we can take the opposite action, the opposite approach, and in that way, help to neutralize and to weaken these tendencies that are coming up. So, so this is part of our, our rehabilitation, okay, as we're here in recovery. And Roy also said that um, some of the things that will, the, the basic attitudes, our operating system that will see us through all the interesting, challenging times as we move through life is to be happy, to be self-confident, and to be optimistic. Happy, self-confident, and optimistic. So, and uh, and I shared on actually on the CSA website. There's still a little button where you can listen to Roy do his last uh, last guideline for inspired living. And he says happiness comes from within. This is this is an inside job. We can just choose to be happy, and that this is a this is the optimum. This is the ideal for ourselves. And so if we're grumpy or angry or feeling sorry for ourselves or fearful, we can remember, I can just choose to be happy. And even if it's just going to be for five minutes, I'm going to take a time out and just sit here and, and be happy. You know, I can do that. 
and to be self-confident. Self with a capital S. I am confident that the self, my soul nature, can take care of whatever comes. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how, uh, how crazy or strange or unexpected. No matter what comes up and what happens, I know I can take care of it. I can handle it. I will move through it. So I end up with, I have this inner confidence that I and life moving through me will handle whatever circumstances come up. So to be self-confident and to be optimistic. Optimistic means we're looking for positive outcomes. We're looking for, we're, we're feeling that the direction that our life is going that our, that our awakening process is going, that our life is going, that our uh, society and our family, our group is going, and that the world is going, is is in a positive direction. And of course, you know, oftentimes, like right now, we, you know, it doesn't look like it's going in a positive direction. It looks like the whole world got sick all at the same time. It's very interesting too, because. I can't think, you know, I've, I've read a little bit of history and, and looked at some of these things. I cannot uh, think of any time in the whole history of this planet when everybody, almost everybody on the planet has all come together in harmony in one experience. Has all come together, has all, consciousness has all resonated and everybody is kind of at the same place in the same state um on the planet at the same time it's very interesting so but we can choose to be optimistic and to look for what's positive you see look for what uh, for the the uh, unfolding positive benefits that are emerging as we're sitting here now and the uh longer term um transformative processes, this evolutionary process that's intelligently directed, that is life coming into manifestation, blossoming out of itself. And, and we can, uh, even if we can't see clearly, we can know that everything is in divine order and everything is, is moving in the direction that it needs to move for the best for everybody concerned. So we can choose to be optimistic. And, you know, we're constantly being surprised, just like we were surprised by this pandemic that came along and that caught everybody off guard. And at the same time, we're also being surprised by the, some of the good things that are coming out of this and some of the benefits that may emerge. And, um, you know, we're finding that the, the planet is kind of taking a breather and it's it, the, the environment is um, has come back and is sort of responding in a positive way to the fact that we're all uh, shut-ins now. So we're seeing some some interesting effects, and we're also seeing that uh, you know there are many companies now that have had they had uh, had to let their employees work from home, and some of them are finding out that wow, working from home it works, and everything's still running fine, and Maybe we don't need all this office space and all this infrastructure, and maybe everybody doesn't have to commute to work every day. So we're going to see some interesting changes, long-term changes that are going to be beneficial uh, that come out of this. So we can we can choose to be optimistic, choose to continue to to look for the best, and if that's what we're looking for, that's what we're going to find. And if we're looking for all the problems and all the way things are falling apart and the planet's caving in and the economy, and if we're looking at that, 
that we're just going to get more of that. And we're going to allow this to possess us and we're going to give it more attention, which means prana, life force, more energy. And then this will dominate us. You know, we have this monkey on our back. Once again, we're, we have to go back in, into recovery. And when you go into recovery, I, I used to work for, a, used to do marketing, uh, uh, make television commercials for uh, an alcohol and drug rehab center here um, in Clayton. And so, so, um, so I watched this process and, you know, the first thing they do for the, the addicts and the, and the uh, people with eating disorders and, and this and that, they, the first thing they do is to get them off of whatever the substance is they're abusing. So if they're abusing food, then they create a very harmonious, nutritious diet, limited diet. If they're abusing alcohol or drugs, they, they, they go off. They, they don't take the drugs. They don't take, drink the alcohol. They stay away from the things that are re-stimulating that are creating the problem. That's the first. And then the second is that they re-educate. They learn about, you know, how does this process work and what am I all about? So they learn this and then they're given some um, some actions that they can take, some things that they can do in order to help support this recovery. And so so we're all kind of, you know, all kind of in, in the institute, in the asylum here. Um, I remember a story from uh, from Ram Das from years ago where he was talking about uh, the grand vizier comes to the king one day and he says, master. At your majesty. He says, we have, we have a real terrible situation here. The, the kingdom is in big trouble. Uh, it turns out that the, the whole crop, the whole wheat crop from this year has been tainted. Uh, there's a blight that's gone through and has af- affected all the wheat. And, uh, and so it's, it's become kind of a little bit poisonous. And anybody who eats this wheat will go crazy. And this is this is actually related to a real thing. There's a, a blight called ergo, which is um, when it infects in you know, when it affects the wheat, creates a substance that's very much like uh, LSD. So it's you know, it's psychedelic, and if you eat this, you're going to be crazy. So, so the Grand Vizier tells the king, he says, well, you know, this is everybody's, you know, we have to eat. But everybody's going to have to eat this wheat and, and everybody's going to be crazy. But we have just enough left over from last year's harvest in the silo so that the, the royal family, you and the royal family, and enough for me and my family. So we won't have to eat the tainted wheat, but everybody else is going to have to. And so the king said, if everybody else in the kingdom is going to be eating this tainted wheat, then we're going to eat it too. We're all in this together. So, so, um, but what we're going to do is we're going to put a little spot on our forehead right here, make a little mark. So we remember we're crazy. So whenever, you know, so this, this will just be our little reminder. And then he goes on to say that now everywhere I go in the universe, I see people with a little spot on their forehead. So, so every, in this world, everybody's a little bit crazy. Remember, we had the, the quote that Walter and Wilma shared with us the other day. Uh, Paramahansa Yogananda said, in this world, everybody's a little bit crazy, but we hang around with people that are crazy the same way that we are, and so we don't notice it. But when we see somebody with a different flavor of craziness, then we, 
wow, that's that's crazy. So, so if we know that we're all a little bit crazy, we have these toxins, we have these impurities that are in our consciousness that that are filters that keep us from seeing clearly the way things work, and for uh, and that interfere with our ability to live freely, to be unlimited, and to to allow our our uh, our energy to be circulating perfectly, our body to be healthy, and our mind to be clear in the way it thinks and focuses, and our booty, our intellect to be discerning and uh, discriminating. For all these to be working harmoniously and perfectly, um, we have to address the, the impurities and the toxins and remove those from the system. And so, so Patanjali then, then goes on and says, well, um, the, <clears throat> the, um, the, the uh, program that we can engage in, the system that we can use in order to, on one hand, to be able to reduce these, to take the energy away from these impurities these obstacles we can we can create this life plan a program that we can work and we can work our program and so this program begins with um what, what are called the yamas or the restraints so these are, these are actions these are commitments that we have to living in a certain way and by living in this way we help to bring ourselves in harmony with life and with ourself so so, and of course, and of course, as we all know, the the um, Patanjali goes on. This this is the first step, the yamas, and then there are the niyamas. These are the observances, and these set the stage for um, preparation for us to be able to assume a firm posture for our asana for uh, position, and then pranayama to move energy to work with the the life force and the energy, and then to become interiorized, and then to focus attention and then to concentrate meditate and then to experience samadhi so this is the eight limbs the eight steps of yoga and the first one is this uh these restraints yamas and the first of the restraints is harmlessness ahimsa harmlessness and um patanjali does this quite a bit in in the different places where he gives lists of things and just like when we were talking about the obstacles the first obstacle was avidya not knowing so avidya was not knowing and that not knowing that avidya was then kind of the basis for all the rest of the other four obstacles and so in the same way harmlessness is uh, kind of at the root of the other um, restraints that we'll be talking about. So harmlessness is is a, is kind of a big thing. It's kind of a, a really worth looking at, thinking about, and and on the the very you know surface level, on the superficial level, uh, it's very easy to think about harmlessness. I don't want to hurt anything. I don't want to hurt anybody. And I don't want to hurt anything. And so harmlessness means that I intend no harm for anything. And harmlessness, for, it to, to, for us to become harmless, we have to begin with ourself. 
So the first place, the you know, the the home base for for the practice of harmlessness and growingness is to ask myself, is is anything that I'm doing harming me? Anything? Am I doing everything that I can to encourage um, free flowing life force and to live in the highest and the best way possible? Is there anything that I'm doing that is in, impeding and getting in the way of my living uh, as a fully liberated, fully conscious being? Anything at all? So, okay, now we're back to, you know, uh, looking at whether our uh, our diet and nutrition is adequate and, and serves us and whether we have a regular routine, a regular schedule and whether we're getting enough rest and enough exercise and um, and all these little things, if we're not doing these, they harm us. They create problems for us. You know, um, I, I was reading about uh, a study that said uh, that, that was done. This was one of the big, big studies where they look at a lot of people. So it, it has some juice to it. And they said that um, the main chronic diseases, there are five uh, chronic diseases um, which have to do with diet, smoking, alcohol abuse, uh, the lack of exercise and BMI. That's the body mass indication. So if you're, if you're, Overweight, great deal overweight. If you're uh, um, drinking too much alcohol, if you're uh, not getting any exercise, if you're smoking, and if you have a, a diet that's not healthy for you, those five things um, contribute to the shortening of life. And he said, and the study showed that if you remove one of those five things, by the time you are 50 years old, if you remove one of those five things, that your life expectancy would be 10 years longer. That's not all five, just one. So it reminds me of uh, uh, Mark Twain. Uh, Mark Twain had that's a story about uh, the doctor comes to this fellow and the fellow is in really bad shape. He's in bed, sick. He's really, you know, really in, in extremis, really in terrible shape. And the doctor says, look, you know, you've got to stop drinking and you've got to stop smoking and you've got to stop running around at night with women. You know, you've really got to, you know, get your act together. And the, and the fellow says, but doctor, I, I don't smoke. I never drank, drank an alcohol once in my life. And I'm, you know, I don't run around at all. I'm kind of a homebody. And the doctor said, oh, okay, well, you've been neglecting your habits and you don't have anything to throw overboard. So, so we want to, we want to throw it all overboard. We want to get rid of all these things. And, and so paying attention to harmlessness, number one is ourself. So we say, am I harm? Am I, what I'm doing, how I'm living, is it harming me in any way? And if it is, then what can I do about it? What is the opposite action I can take that will help s support uh, healthy, um, energetic, optimistic, self-confident, you know, uh, best I can be? So this is the first place we start. It was at home right here. And then we ask ourselves, okay, well, now what is harmlessness re with respect to other people? And of course, you know, this extends to, uh, harming someone by actually hurting them, but we can also harm someone by uh, 
talking about them by saying things that are that are uh, not very nice and not useful. They may be true, but we can be talking about them and saying things that will hurt their character or hurt their um, hurt the way they're perceived. So remember, every time that we say something, these words are symbols, but they carry our energy, our life force, and these words go into other people's brains and they rewire their brain. They affect the way people are thinking. So what we say has an impact. It's a cause which produces an effect. And so if we say something really negative or, t or nasty about somebody to somebody else, We've just changed the way they're changed their perception of that person and changing that perception of that person is harming them. Okay. So this is uh, interesting to think about. So we want to be mindful of how we're speaking, what we're saying. We want to be mindful about how we're thinking because there's all, you know, the thinking starts first before the speaking comes out. So, so what are we thinking? Are we thinking things about people that are not uh, supportive and nurturing and kind and compassionate? So we can think about how are we thinking? What are we contributing in consciousness? Just by the way, by our attitude, by how we're, uh, how we're using our attention and where we're sending our life force and our energy. So are we holding bad thoughts and resentment and uh, upset? And, and in this way, on a very subtle way, harming someone else. Um, so inside and then outside as we speak and interact. And then then we get to the, the next level. So we've talked about the people. Now what about um, the creatures? You know, we're, we're sharing this planet with a lot of creatures that don't have uh, opposable thumbs. And so they can't build tools and create internets and things. So, but they still share the planet with us and they still live and um, have their own purposes and their own interaction. And so, so is what we're doing harming the animals, you know, the creatures around us. And of course, one of the, one of the reasons that we recommend the vegetarian diet is if you're not a vegetarian, if you're eating animals, um, that's not kind, it's not really practicing harmlessness. So, um, so we can look at the, you know, look at how we are interacting and how we're relating with respect to, to the creatures around us. And then, and then we have the, the little tiny ones. What about the spider that comes that you find, you know, walking across the floor or going up the wall? What happens with the spider? Do we, do we acknowledge and honor that as another life form that this little creature has a, a life and has an agenda and has, um, uh, has has uh, its own karma. It has its own, you know, processes to interact with. And so, do we pick the spider up and put it outside, or do we smash it? You know, what is our what is our response to life? So we can look and look and and as we begin to pay attention to this and begin to really develop a much deeper appreciation for for the fact that life is all of us. We're all life. We're all part of this together. And all life is sacred. And so we can start to adjust our, our awareness, our consciousness to kind of get in tune with the fact that, um, that we can be sensitive to what we're doing, the fact that, what, that whatever we do is a cause that will produce some effect 
And then we ask ourselves, is the effect going to be harmful? Will the effect harm myself? Will the effect harm other people? Will the effect harm um, the animals and the plants and the trees? Will the effect harm the environment, the planet? So, so we want to look at, you know, we want to look at that, be mindful of that. Um, you know, for, um, for example, right now, there is a, a big push on the planet to get rid of plastic. Plastic is turning up everywhere, you know. It's, uh, I just saw where there's some, some kind of a little moth or some little insect creature that used to make its cocoon, its little cocoon thing out of uh, silk and twigs. And, and now they've evolved, they've metamorphosized, and now they're using plastic to make their cocoons. So, you know, so we... So we want to be, you know, conscious and mindful. Are we are we consuming things that we don't need? Are we, you know, causing more energy to be used to produce stuff that we that's wasteful? So we can, you know, we can ask ourselves on all these different levels: um, Is what I'm doing being harmful? And of course, in order to live, in order to to keep this body going, we have to eat plants. So, so there is a sacrifice that's being made. There's an exchange. It's always happening, and so we, so other things have to uh, sacrifice in order for us to be alive. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the minimal amount of impact? What is the minimal amount of imp, uh, of uh, of upset and harm that I am doing to myself, the planet, the individuals, the creatures, the trees, uh, the broccoli, everything? Okay, so this is. This is what we can, you know, the attitude we can take about looking at harmlessness. And it says that it said that um, in, in Patanjali, it says, if we are able to become established in harmlessness, fully established, we intend harm for nothing. And there may be inadvertent things that happen, but we have no intention. Our heart, our heart is uh, full of compassion and appreciation and love for life. And so we intend no heart, no hurt. And any harm that inadvertently has to come through us, you know, we feel it. So he says that if we are established in this consciousness, then nothing can hurt us. If we are ahimsic, if we are established in harmlessness, then there is, then we are not bringing any enmity, any, any uh, harm or hurt in on ourselves. So, so this is a, uh, a positive side effect. And then moving on, the next uh, of the uh, restraints is truthfulness. So we want to, number one, we don't, you know, it's best if we don't lie and we don't try to be duplicitous and we don't um, uh, try to get around, you know, get around the truth by uh, representing things as they are not. And so we want to be truthful. And this means to be, to have, um, to have integrity. So that we are, we are living from our essence of being and not pretending to be something that we're not. Not uh, taking on airs, not assuming a, a different role, but we have the, the way we show up is our, the way we are. And we are, we are truthful. We're grounded in this um, expression of our being, whatever it is, of our character. And if we go, wow, but if people knew what I really was, if I was really, you know, completely upfront about this, how, that would be, 
you know, people wouldn't like me anymore or, or I would be ashamed of some of these things. Well, if that's the case, then change them. You know, if we, if we have, if we have things that we have to hide and we have to, to be worried about, then, then just decide to make the change. I remember, oh man, it was a very, very long time ago. I forgot who it was that said it, but, um, but basically it said, you should never do anything that you don't want to read about on the headlines of tomorrow's newspaper. You know, in case there's a reporter sitting there watching what you're doing or looking in your head and seeing what you're thinking. So we want to be truthful. We want to be honest and we have to, we have to balance our truthfulness. So on one hand, the best way to be truthful all the time is not to say anything. So just be quiet. If you're just quiet, then it takes most of the, most of the, uh, the danger of saying something or doing something. It's not truthful, but, um, but we want to have this, uh, we, we want to have this integrity and we want to balance our truthfulness with the first thing with harmlessness. So sometimes we can say things that are true that are very harmful, very hurtful. So we have to say, well, it, you know, does, does being honest and truthful in this circumstance, in this case, does that serve the primary purpose, which is to be harmless? So I can tell people, you know, I can say, well, you really messed up or you really need to do this or need to do that and hurt their feelings or, um, or change the way they're thinking or, you know, how many parents tell kids, you'll never amount to anything. You know, you're, you're, you don't pay attention and you're lazy. And, and, and these things, you know, can, it can influence uh, long-term behavior. So we want to ask ourselves and be, be clear about the fact that we're being truthful, that is we're being honest and accurate, um, that we're doing this in harmony with what is the, with what is not harmless, with what is the ideal, what is the best. And, and the other aspect of truthfulness is something that's a little more subtle because, um, because we can, uh, we can buy into things. We can believe in things that are fantasy there. You know, right now the, you know, the world is, is inundated with conspiracy theories about all this crazy stuff. And somebody, I don't know, they just sit around at night and think up the craziest scenarios and then pu publish it on the internet. And next thing you know, it's a meme and everybody's repeating it and it goes, comes out in all the articles and it becomes a thing, you know? So we want it to be truthful. We also want to make sure that we're not um, participating in fantasy, that we're not um, uh, engaging in conspiracy theories and doing some of these things that um, not only are not useful, but also can be harmful. So the truthfulness and then uh, the next of the restraints is the conservation of energy. So our energy that is, uh, Number one, you know, we have just the physical energy. So we want to make sure that we have enough energy to get through the day. And that means we have to have enough sleep, enough rest, enough nutrition, some exercise so that things keep working. And so, so conservation of energy makes sure that the physical, you know, factory here, that the, the vehicle is operating in a way that, that we can get up every day and do what we need to do. Um, but on a more subtle level, 
we have uh, this energy, which is prana. So the so life force prana is moving through us, and we can look at whether we're depleting this prana or whether we're encouraging it, working with it, or impeding it. And in an Ayurveda, they talk about how uh, as we assimilate and metabolize the food that we take in, it 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 changes its characteristic and it becomes, uh, it goes through several stages uh, of more and more refined, more and more subtle substance for the, the, to take care of the body and the subtle body. And the most refined, the most, uh, the furthest, the furthest distilled aspect of this life force, this energy is called ojas. And this ojas is really, is really our soul force. So sometimes we'll meet people and they have this magnetic personality. They, they're radiant. I mean, literally, you can feel it. Their their aura extends out for some distance. There is this sense, you know, this juice. And this is ojas. This is the, the result of ojas. And on the other hand, we see people who are just kind of dull. I mean, you know, they don't shine. They're dull lethargic, heavy, tamasic. So, so this is what happens when our energy is depleted. And so what is it that helps to maintain ojas? And that is um, regular meditation practice, seeing to our sadhana, making sure that we're eating, you know, organic, healthy, um, sattvic foods, and doing things that are that are balancing and harmonious and not and avoiding the things that are heavy and toxic and inertial. Uh, and the same thing with the activities, what we're doing, you know, is, is what we do very rajasic and moving around and, you know, restless activity, this wastes our energy, depletes our energy. Or are we tamasic and we're really just heavy and lethargic or are we more sattvic doing things that are elevating? right you know spending time in nature being quiet this all helps to to nurture and support our ojas and then there is the also the injunction directly uh about sex they say well you know we have these subtle tissues and and the most subtle this ojas is also related to our use of these uh vital forces these subtle energies and so they say, well, by, by making sure that we're not overdoing it with any of our senses, that we're not being wasteful and, and uh, not being mindful about this, we can conserve our energy, conserve our, the way we're using our senses, and through the use of our senses in an intelligent way, then we can help conserve this ojas. And by conserving the ojas, we maintain our power, our energy, and we have the, and this helps to feed our meditation and our uh our spiritual practice so when we're dull and heavy and lethargic we don't think brightly we're not optimistic we're not self-confident but the more ojas the more of this juice the more life force we have circulating through us then the the better we're the better we're able to interact and to act and to um, fulfill our purposes and to um to be free to be liberated so conservation of energy and also we can look on the you know on the external on the practical level and make sure we're not wasting resources energy is uh, money you know money is just a uh, a symbol it's just a placeholder it's a way of 
exchanging energy. Uh, it's like a little little battery, little a little money is just a little energy battery, and so we want to make sure that we're taking care of our energy, our money, our resources, the things that we have, and and make make sure that they're all supporting us and that we're using those in a wise and mindful and good uh, uh, as good custodians, you know, good stewards. So. Uh, so conservation of energy, non-stealing, that means that we should not be um, taking anything from anyone that we don't own by right of consciousness. So whatever we have should come to us as a result of our consciousness. We are open and receptive to it. Life provides and supports, and this is the way it works. But if we have to, if we think that we have to steal and take from somebody else, then it's not nice to them, it's harming them. And it also creates a, a, a state of consciousness for ourselves where we feel more limited. If I feel like I have to go steal something, then that implies to my consciousness that I don't have, that I'm experiencing lack, that I have need. And so this also uh, is the second level of uh, harm and the second level of problem. So non-stealing, and this goes to the subtle level too, and that is that we don't want to be jealous and envious of what other people have. So we can be, you know, we can go to the go to the level of imagining or thinking about uh, others, and, and in in our mind, um, taking from them. And we can also steal from people, steal their reputation. Uh, we can steal their uh, intellectual property. Um, you know, now we've we've turned this, you know, this crazy entity, the internet, loose, and and we see people that are just indiscriminate. I mean, they will go and steal somebody's picture and put it on their Facebook page, and wow, isn't this a beautiful image? And it makes me look better because I'm using this beautiful image from this other person, which they created. It was a, it's, the, it's a result of their consciousness expressing, manifesting. And here's somebody just with no consideration at all, uh, just takes it and uses it for something. So we see so much of this these days. And, and, uh, and so we need to be mindful, you know, am I, am I being appropriate and mindful and not taking something that really belongs, that really somebody else owns, not uh, plagiarizing and not, uh, you know, not taking images and, and ideas without attributing them, you know. So these are all also more subtle ways of stealing. And then non-attachment, the final one for, for the restraints and for today, non-attachment, and we've talked about this before, and Swami Sri Yukteswar, I have a quote from him. He says, attachment is binding. It lends an imaginary halo of attractiveness to the object of desire. Attachment is binding, controlling, holding. It lends an imaginary halo of attractiveness to the object of desire. So, so this attachment, the, the way that we're controlled, the way that we're you know, hooked into things, um, it's binding, it's controlling, it's limiting. And so we want to look at the, at, at anything that we have a strong uh, affiliation or a strong attraction to and ask ourselves, is this really 
you know, is this useful for me? And how much is this controlling? How much of my time and my mind and my energy and my attention is being devoted to this substance or this object, this thing, this location, this relationship? Because all these things are, you know, extensions of ourself. And to the degree that we are attached to them, they control and they limit us. So ahimsa, that is harmlessness, truthfulness, um, conservation of energy, non-stealing, non-attachment. So this is basically uh, is, is the suggested operating system. And Roy used to tell us, he'd say, you know, if, if, if you look at a saint, they don't have to do these things. They don't have to think about these things. This is the way they live naturally, automatically. So, um, so we can bring ourselves into harmony with what is the ideal. And these are all, each one of these things is kind of a limitation. It limits what we're doing. We're kind of setting the, the guardrails here on how we move forward on the path. And we're not going to veer off into harming things. And we're not going to veer off into being, to lying, even if it's convenient, you know, even a little white lie. We're going to avoid all these things and kind of try to create a, a structure around our life. And by limiting ourselves in this way, by creating the, the guardrails, we're able to, to move freely forward and to be and to live uh, unlimited, to be happy, healthy, and to be and to support our further awakening, our spiritual awakening. And that's the that's that's really important. So be joyful. Namaste.